Whew. That was a good last song, huh? Wow. Pretty impacted. We need to just, just head, on, head along and have potluck now. We don't even need the message, huh? Forget it. Get it. Come on. Well, this is our last week of Celebration of Hope, and we're wrapping up our series today. And uh, let me give a little recap. If you remember our first week, we opened the Bible to Luke chapter 15. And in Luke 15, we talked about how everyone mattered to God. Everyone matters. So you've never met somebody, you've never looked eyes with somebody who doesn't matter to the Lord. And so we talked about that. And because of that, they matter to us, right? And they have to matter to us because if they matter to God, they matter to us. That's, I mean, that's what we're about, the things that matter to God matter to us. And then we moved on and we talked about this issue of world hunger and, and specifically dirty drinking water around the world. We talked about how, I mean, there's cultures that they, they don't, they've never known clean drinking water. They've never known it their whole life. And so everything that they encounter and deal with in their culture, they see through the lens of dirty water. And we talked about what we could do to make a difference to supplying just clean drinking water, a clean source to them. Last week, we talked about a tough issue of human trafficking. We talked about how that, that God, he came to free the oppressed. That's what the Bible tells us. In fact, Jesus declares it as one of the things that he is here to do, uh, to free the oppressed. And we learned that we have a role to play in it. And that it's not far away in another country, in another place. It's right here. It's everywhere we go, we deal with this type of thing. And so we have to have our eyes open, the blinders off, and we have to play a role in that or else... Injustice just happens all around us, and our non-activity allows it to grow. And we don't want that. We're called to do more. So later today, we're going to be taking up the Celebration of Hope offering. And, you know, this is designed specifically to go towards the issues that we've talked about. Now, I talked to you about 2600 being our target number. And I realize that $2,600, it may be a stretch for us. I I don't know. Um, But I know it's possible. But I won't lie to you that stuck in my head through this whole series as I've been, as I've been doing my own research is thinking about, sir, $7,000. We can dig a well for a community and set up clean water for their, their, whole, their whole community, the whole village. Life totally transformed. And so this morning, I would pray that you would give generously to this offering. 100% of it is going towards those purposes, so we pray you'd give generously this morning. We're going to leave that open for about a, a week or so here, so that if you need time to, to write or mail in or have your bank send in, that you can do that a, as well, and we'll receive it that way as well. But mark that, and don't forget about that over the course of the week. Now, we're going to take our normal offering. Remember, the tithes and offerings are important for what the church does here, and so give of your tithes and offering. But above and beyond, let the Lord move your heart this morning for the Celebration of Hope offering. And then we'll go over and we'll celebrate uh, by uh, a potluck this morning and and have a good time. I I made the mistake of going in the kitchen during the communion time, and I didn't want to come out. It smelled pretty good. So I thought maybe I would start early. And uh, you would be out here singing, so you'd never know. So what would matter as long as I was done by the sermon? Well, that brings us to today, uh, and we're going to continue our series. Do you know that when you're craving something, you'll go a long way to get it, right? And when you are craving something, you will go out of your way, a long way. You'll do crazy things that you would otherwise never do to get that thing. Sometimes we even put ourselves in financial jeopardy to get the thing that we crave. But it's not big things, right? I mean, if you want a taco, right, and the closest place is closed, what are you going to do? Drive on to the next place. Do you remember back when uh, fast food was not open as late as it's open now? 
And uh, there might be that one place here or there that was open past 10, 11 o'clock at night. And uh, that was the place you hunted down. For me, it was Taco Tia, and it was in Riverside County. And we had to drive a county over to get that. But guess what? If it was 10.05 and we needed a taco, that's where we went. And never did we say, nah, it's too late. Too late. Because when you want something, you go after it. You know, the other uh, night, uh, Chris and Jamie Vi decided they needed to end up in the ER together. Um, with uh, some apparent food poisoning or, or something like that. And uh, so there they were. You know, one's in room six. The other's in room 11. I mean, it's just so romantic. You know, isn't it? For... A young couple in love to experience everything together, you know, strolls on, on the sidewalk and watching a movie together or vomiting together uh, and going to the hospital. Um, when they're finally released, and we're going on like 2.30 in the morning, when they're finally released, they gave them a prescription for this anti-nausea medication. And that sounded pretty good to them at that point because they had been hacking for quite a while <laughs> leading up to this. Sorry, that's too graphic? So you okay with this details? So We've all done it. We've all, it's okay. It's okay. But, uh, of course, you know, at 2.30 in the morning, uh, not a lot of pharmacies are open. And even though they live by several pharmacies, I mean, I, you know, you could pass several uh, right at their house, uh, none are more open. You had to find a 24-hour pharmacies. And if you've ever noticed, there is never a 24-hour pharmacy located anywhere close to a hospital or an emergency room. They're a long ways away. Um, but we went and got that prescription. <laughs> Why? Because it was important to them that night. It was important to them. We'll do crazy things if something important is important to us. We'll go to great measures to, to get that thing or to fulfill that thing. Let me tell you what was important to Jesus. What was important to Jesus was reaching people who were far from God. That was important to him. Reaching people who were far from his father. That was important to him. Don't ever confuse Jesus' compassion for people or his love for people with Jesus not coming to earth on a mission. He came to earth on a mission. Every bit of Jesus' life was a mission. And listen to how Jesus himself describes it. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. He says, For the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. That's what he said. That's important to me. And so Jesus came on this mission. And Jesus said this, and right after he had spent this time with Zacchaeus, this tax collector, this guy nobody liked, and he had visited with him at his house, and Zacchaeus came out of that, vi- that visit a transformed person, totally different. That's what Jesus came for. That's what he came for, to transform people's lives. He was on a mission. It was a purpose, and this was his goal, to transform people's lives through the saving power that God had invested in him. That's what he was here for. He had a purpose. And Jesus recognized that apart from a right relationship with God, nobody was going to see one day in heaven. Jesus spoke of this in Mark chapter 16, verse 16. Whoever believes and is baptized, he said, will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. You see, if we're not careful, we think that our mission and purpose is just about loving people and caring for their needs. But that's not true. That's not the end goal of our vision and our mission. I mean, those are the means to our goal. Those are the things that God has called us to do as a way to reach people. But they're not the end goal in and of itself. Jesus came because he wanted people to experience God. He wanted people to experience transformed life. He wanted people to experience something better in life than what they were experiencing up till now. In fact, he went so far to say, look, the wildest dreams you have I will better them. That's what he came for. 
And that's what he tried to build into people's lives. See, Jesus, for Jesus, the hope Jesus was offering, it was the hope of restored life. We just sang about it where we said our hope is in Jesus. Jesus was offering the hope of restored life, real life, really living. If you're living today in a marriage that's struggling and it's just, you know, every day, you know, you live together, but you don't, you know, you don't really function as a wonderfully married couple. Well, guess what? He didn't come for that. He came to restore that marriage, restore that life. If you have relationships with your kids and they don't go so well and they've not gone so well for years, guess what? That's not good enough for Jesus. He came to restore that. If you're living in some type of addictive form today, something in your life, men, you know that two out of uh, four men or half of men are said to be addicted to pornography? Jesus said, no, I didn't put you in a state to be addicted to that. I came to restore you, to raise you up, to give you life. That was Jesus's mission. Do you know what hope is? Do you know what the word hope is? When I was in a fifth or sixth grade, uh, I remember there was a time where my mom was gone. My mom and dad were gone, and we got to wrestling, my brothers and I, or really my younger brother and I. And, uh, and though I know you look at me sometimes and, and say, wow, that is a big, strong guy up there. Um, <laughs> my brothers are actually even bigger. My younger brother's 6'3", my other brother's 6'1", and I'm 5'8". And so I would get to wrestling with my younger brother, who was tall at the time, as well. And uh, we had a familiar pattern. We would wrestle and at some point it would turn ugly and uh, I would jump up and run and I would lock myself in the bathroom and wait for my mom or dad to get home. And I would actually, I had actually some reading books in the bathroom. So, you know, I would just sit and wait, wait till mom or dad got home or till Andy kind of chilled out and was, was ready to move on. And, but one particular time though, um, as I ran away after it turned ugly, he threw a lamp at me and, uh, now, it missed me, um, but it put a hole in the wall uh, near the restroom door. And uh, we got together and we uh, kind of concocted a story that, uh, about something about tripping with a tennis racket in our hand and uh, falling, not tying our shoelace, something like that, you know. Very, very believable. Very believable. I'm going to tell you what hope is. As my brother told the story to my mom with me standing there, I hoped... <laughs> And I hoped that she would buy that story. <laughs> I hoped that uh, I would not be grounded for the remainders of my years. Uh, I hoped that my, uh, my mom would believe it so my brother would not blame me and pound me the next time that she was gone from the house. Uh, believe me, there was a lot of hope going on that day. <laughs> a lot of hope. Jesus offers a hope. He offers a hope in our lives. He offers this hope that comes from living a life committed to God and to committed to his ways. And Jesus believed so strongly in this hope, he was willing to give up his life to preserve the hope for us. To give up his life. Now, I'm living. I've given up my life for nothing. Jesus gave up his life to preserve that hope for you and for I. But people, we have hopes in all kinds of things, right? I mean, this week we'll go to the polls and we'll vote. And we'll have hope in a vote. We'll hope that the candidate that we're voting for eventually gets in office or or stays in office or whatever your your voting tendencies because we have hope in something a hope in a person we'll vote for an amendment and we're expressing our hope in what that amendment might offer our hope but guess what only god only god can bring that kind of hope now god can use men and women as instruments he uses some tremendously but they're not our hope don't ever forget that your, your elected officials are not our hope. They only can be instruments for God 
to share his hope. The hope for our country doesn't rest in elected officials. The hope for our country doesn't even rest in results of amendments. It rests only in the hope that comes from a life committed to Jesus Christ. Listen to what Chuck Colson said when he was asked about uh, hope for our nation. He said, where is the hope? I meet millions of people who feel demoralized by decay around us. The hope that each of us has not, is not in who governs us or the laws we pass or the great things we do as a nation. Our hope is in the power of God working through the hearts of people. And that's where our hope is in this country. And that's where our hope is in life. It's that last line that hits me as the universal absolute. Your hope in life, the hope in your life, guess what? It comes from God. It comes from what he has to offer. And though he might have allowed you to live in a nice house and drive a, a nice car and have a nice job, and some of you might have you know, lots of relationships, your Facebook might be at like 900 friends. But guess what? Your hope is not in that. Your hope is in the Lord. And then only when we understand that will we really understand life. Jesus spoke of this purpose. Paul spoke of it later. Peter spoke of it. And guess what? We speak of it. And we'll continue to speak of it because that was the purpose that Jesus came for. So how, do, how are we called to share this hope? That's a question this morning. And where? How do we do this? Well, three things. The first of all is we're called to reach the world. Called to reach the whole entire world. One of the most well-known passages in Christian circles is found in the book of Matthew. Maybe you know it. Take a look on the screen. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's not the go and make disciples part that I want to spend a moment talking about, because it's, it's pretty clear and understandable that Jesus would say, go and make disciples. I mean, it was significant for him to spread, spread the news about God and to draw people to himself. But here's what I want to focus in. The interesting phrase here is the phrase, all nations, all nations, It's interesting. Have you stopped to think of that? Why? Why would a Jewish guy who was declared the Jewish savior for the Jewish people be concerned about spreading to all nations? Why would he be even be interested in other nations? I mean, read the Old Testament. The other nations, Israel, the Hebrew, the Israelites, were always fighting against all throughout the Old Testament. The other nations uh, in that time were... They were the ones that invaded the people of God. The other nations are the ones that took the Israelites into exile, into captivity for years and years and years. That's the other nations. Why would Jesus declare to these Jews then, I want you to go and make disciples to all the nations? Some would argue that Jesus meant, well, the Jews had been dispersed. They had been spread throughout the world. So Jesus only meant go and share with the Jews. Go and share with the Jews in other countries. But this just doesn't make sense when we look at Acts 1.8. You'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, to every crevice, everywhere. Jesus is saying, not just to the Jews that might be in another country. Now, Jesus means what he meant. Go to all nations, everywhere. That's where we need to go and to spread. And we're called to do this. Now, don't get me wrong. Every single individual is not called to be the ones that go out and be missionaries. Every church is not called to be a missionary sending church. But as a body of believers, the Christian church, we're called to have a movement, be a part of a movement that spreads the gospel to every corner of the nation. That's our call. And we're part of this 
in the Wesleyan Church, uh, in Global Partners, which is our missions arm of the Wesleyan Church, we've got 230 missionaries currently, and they're in 90 different countries. I wanted you to hear their mission statement this morning. Listen to this. To exalt Jesus Christ by calling and mobilizing believers to global ministries of evangelism, church planning, leadership development, and ministries of compassion. Now, some of you, as you read that, as you read that mission statement, you, you get excited. I mean, that really, that really turns something within you. You say, that excites me, and that's great. That's awesome, because that's what God wants to do. He wants to use us to reach the world. And there's some of us, he's uniquely gifted and designed to go do that. You get put in a different culture, out of context, and you thrive. You love it. When you think about the challenge of going somewhere where you don't know the language, you say, bring it on. I mean, I'll buy the Rosetta Stone and get going right now on it. And you're great with that. Because we're called to be a part of this. We're called to do this. And maybe every single one of you won't end up as, as on a missions trip or, or as a missionary. There is tremendous opportunity for church growth when we understand what it's like to reach across a culture and share who Jesus Christ is. To share what he has to offer. To leave aside Western culture and just share Jesus. There's tremendous spiritual growth when we put ourselves in that, that situation, even if it might be uncomfortable. A couple of weeks ago, I announced to you about the Justice and Compassion team here at Wendover. I was pretty excited that nine people signed up that day to want to be a part of that team, a group that is going to sit and help keep us on target here at the church on offering justice and compassion to people everywhere. And one of the focuses of this justice and compassion will be to help us stay on focus internationally and globally as well. How do we partner with what's happening already in our church and in our denomination? And what else can we do? If this week, if you missed that and you said, oh, that's totally me, then just take your card in front of you, write your name and justice and compassion. And, And soon after Celebration of Hope ends here, we'll be getting together and starting to ask, what does that look like? And how do we keep our church on task and on target in this focus? So that's, uh, we need to reach our world. But next, we're called here to reach our nation as well. In fact, sometimes we lose sight of this. We think we're called to reach our world. We're called to reach our neighbors. We can think about clear passages that tell us to reach the world and to reach our neighbor. But we need to be a part of reaching our nation as well. How long has it been since uh, you heard somebody say, man, this nation's going downhill? <laughs> Not long? Like during donut time in there. <laughs> yeah, every day, I mean, we hear this nation's going down here. It's just in the pits. And then after that, we offer, often offer some commentary as to why that is or what's causing that. But uh, what, what do we mean when we say this, that it's going downhill? What does downhill mean for us? Well, the Barner Group did a, a survey, 968 people asking them specific questions. And here's kind of the results they came up with. Going downhill. it was because of moral or family value decay. Now, we would probably agree with that, right? We would look at it and we'd say, our values are different. I mean, look now at a movie from the 20s or 30s and look at modesty compared to modesty in movies today. Values, it's it's different. It's different today. 27% just under that said economy. It's, It's the pain in our economy that's causing a downfall in our nation. 14% 14% just said, look, there's items that are no longer going to be available down the road. They're available right now, and I would expect them to be available for me later, but they're not going to be available. 11% said there's just increased crime. There's just increased crime across the nation or, or in different areas. Our new forms of crime out there as well. 11% said our freedom 
that that's the thing that's leading downhills. We see, we see less and less freedom, and we're worried about that. And so that's causing downhill. And 6% said, well, the whole world's going downhill. We're just a part of it. So just a part of it. And then 2% said, you know, the office without Steve Carell is just no good. It's just, it's just, not, it's just not enjoyable, unwatchable. No, really, that's, that's not true. The, the 2% is actually other. Just 2% said, oh, just other things. I guess that could fit in other. Yeah, could fit in there. Yeah. So if you look at this thing, the interesting thing that is slightly above the economy is morals and family values. That we think, wow, morals and family values affect, and we think it's, it's causing a downhill turn in our nation. And this is pretty interesting when government policies actually, we would say, are, are passed that affect this and for the negative. And yet in the nation, it still seems like morals and family value, at least according to this poll, is significant. It's really significant. How does this happen? How does it happen if morals is important, yet we move away from morals? Well, if we're not careful, we actually begin to think of our nation as something that's okay if it's secular, as long as it doesn't affect what I believe. It's, it's okay if they pass whatever thing for whatever reason, as long as it doesn't affect my personal beliefs in Jesus Christ or as a Christian. In fact, we're taught that uh, uh, really all the time through everything we see. Our kids are taught it every single day if they're in schools. Sounds pretty good, actually, if we sit and think about it, as long as it doesn't, you know, as long as I have my freedom, still, it's okay. But here's the one problem with that, is our faith was never designed to be private. Our faith was never designed just to be held in ourselves. Now, our, our faith was never designed to be just, you know, just jerks out there, confrontative jerks. But our, our faith was designed to be shared. I mean, check out what the Bible says in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Now, that's where they were at at the time, Jerusalem. These words are being spoken from Jerusalem. And then he says, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We spoke about ends of the earth earlier. It's the Judea location I want to spend just a moment to look at. Do you know where, where Judea was? Jerusalem was in Judea. Judea was like the country there, though a territory at the time. And Jerusalem was a city in that, maybe the biggest city of the time. And Judea was the surrounding country. What Jesus is saying is, you got to reach your country. You got to reach your country. You, the, when the Holy Spirit comes on, you will have power and you go out and you reach your country. That's important. We don't need to skip over our country just to go reach the world, though we're part of that too. We need to reach our nation as well, is what Jesus is saying. You will be my witnesses in Greensboro and all of the United States. That's what Jesus is sharing here. Is this possible? I believe that most Christians believe that the day of Christianity in our nation is gone. It's done and it's over, and it'll never return. That's what we see every day. It's what we experience. We just don't see God as the key authority in our nation anymore even often among Christians. And if we're not careful, we let this affect our outreach. We let this affect how we reach our nation. Listen, I'm not talking about sharing with the guy we work with. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. I'm talking about being a part of a nationwide movement that spreads the gospel. Being a part of a movement that shares these biblical morals and that influences our nation for the cause of Jesus Christ. And we've gotten away from that. We're nervous about that whether it be being politically correct or, or whatever we think, we've gotten away and we're scared of this often. 
and we've let this affect our, outwind, our outreach. Let me share with you a, a couple ways that, that Christians are waking up to, to sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with our nation. These are a couple things that are going on. The one is through Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Maybe you're familiar with FCA. FCA is, is an organization that has long time been reaching high school and college-age students, mainly athletes, uh, for the gospel on, on college campuses. In fact, FCA is far more popular on secular campuses than it is on Christian campuses. Did you know that? I mean, they're reaching and doing a great job. But over the last several years, FCA has moved to try to really impact the professional athlete and to make an impact on the professional athlete, trying to actually connect with meeting groups and small groups on as many professional teams as they can. Why? Why would they do this? They believe that if they reach the professional athlete, they believe that there is no greater platform in the United States to reaching and influencing people than through professional sports. And probably in their thinking, mainly the, the, the bigger three professional sports. That's a strategized purpose that they have, trying to reach out all the way across the nation. The second is through a biblical perspective of immigration. Of, of immigration. We don't think about that often. You see, Christians are often, uh, Matthew Sorens writes, and this is what he says, most evangelicals are caught in between wanting to have responsible border policy with compassion for the alien. It makes coming up with a fair balance very difficult. Christians are realizing and churches are realizing that there is a vast mission field right here in our nation with over 12 million undocumented immigrants that we walk and talk with almost every single day. And churches and ministries have begun to dust off some passages that were forgotten and to start sharing who Jesus Christ is. Listen to the words of Scripture, an Old Testament and a New Testament passage in Leviticus 19. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner resides among you. You must be treated, they must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Powerful words from God's word that impacts how we reach out. In Hebrews, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. The word stranger there, same as the word alien in the Old Testament. The Hebrew and the Greek match up there. World Relief is an organization that's doing a tremendous job in helping Christians, helping churches to reach out to these immigrants, but also to have a balance of honoring laws and even working on immigration reform. It's part of this national movement to reach our nation, to reach people that are living in our nation as well. Now, it's a complex issue on the policy level, complex. The more I study it and get into it, I used to think there was a really a one-sentence answer for it. And it's very complex. But on the caring level, on the compassion level, it's not as complex as the Bible says, caring for the alien in our midst. So we want to reach the world, we want to reach our nation, and finally, we need to reach our neighbor, We've got we to reach out to our neighbor. Jesus defined our neighbor as really anyone who we come in contact with. And we have to share the hope of Jesus Christ with the people we live with and the people we work with and with our family members. We have to be reaching them constantly. Look, the first question to ask yourself is not, how do you do this? Listen to this. But it's, do you really even want to do it? That's the first question to ask yourself. This weekend, the, uh, the Avengers hit the movie theaters, right? 80% of the movie-going public went to see the Avengers this weekend. Only on Friday alone, 
It was $80.5 million that it took in in one day. Man, I need to make a superhero movie. So I think that's the answer. There'll be thousands and thousands of people that head out to see it. And uh, there's an interesting thing that'll happen. And no newspaper is going to report it. No TV show is going to talk about it. But the interesting thing that's going to happen is this. Thousands are going to get on the phone. They're going to call up a friend or a family member. And they're going to say, dude, you have got to go see this movie. It's amazing. And they're going to tell them how wonderful their experience at the movie theater was. Thousands of this. Some won't even get that far. They'll be asked right away before they can even say anything. How was it? And they're going to say, oh, it's amazing. Best superhero movie I've ever seen. They're going to say things like that. And it's going to spread this type of thing. Why? Because somebody's pretty excited about it and they share it. You see, when we're excited about something, guess what? We share it. We share it. When we're excited about something, we share it. I mean, just check Facebook statuses on any given day and I can tell you what people are excited about. I can tell you what they're excited about right there. Guess what? That's how we share the hope of Jesus Christ. That's how we share about Jesus you don't need to go to this, uh, you know, how to reach my neighbor seminar. Um, you know, maybe there's some good ones out there. You don't have to have the five steps on reaching out type of program in place. No, you want to just ask yourself one question. Am I excited about my faith? It's an important question to ask. Am I excited about my faith? If you can look back on your life over the last, you know, months or years or however long, if you can look back and say, man, I haven't been a part of really sharing Jesus with anyone I haven't really been a part of inviting somebody to church or if it was, maybe it was to an event. I haven't really done it because, boy, I really want to see them reach. Well, guess what? You need to ask yourself, am I excited about my faith? Because chances are the issue has nothing to do with your ability to invite somebody. It has to do with what might be going on spiritually in your heart. Am I excited about what God is doing and what God is teaching me? Am I excited about what the word of God says when I open it up and read it? Is the word of God even open up? Am I in it and read it? Am I excited about what my church is doing and the way God's using the church and the people in the church to reach others? Those are questions we have to ask ourselves because there's no two ways around it. We, what we are excited about, we share. That's what we do. Take a look at this passage in Scripture. It's one of my favorites. It says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. So Levi, he's converted here. Matthew is the name you might know of this, of this disciple. He's converted. He leaves everything and follows Jesus. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's pretty good news, that Jesus would just come by and say, hey, follow me, and he would drop the word everything. That's pretty powerful. Drop everything and go follow we drop appointments every once in a while so that we can go do something else. Drop everything. That's pretty good. Let me read you the rest of the story, though. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not healthy, not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I know you, some of you may have heard this story. And you've thought, man, that's, that's awesome. I mean, Jesus would take the time to hang out with the riffraff of society. That's what the, the passage is telling. That's amazing. That's, that's just incredible. That's just like my Jesus. And we get excited about that part of the story. And so should, so should we. Some of you know exactly what's being talked about here. Some of you, you might have been strung out on drugs for a long time, addicted to something. And yet Jesus met you. 
and your life was transformed and you, you face new life. Some of you thought, man, it wasn't that dire, but I knew I was lost. I knew there was more to life out there. And Jesus met you and you experienced what it had. Some of you, you were just, you're just like, man, I'm just bouncing around and I'm just trying to figure things out. Bounce of trying to figure out this job, I get no joy out of it. This marriage, I get no joy out of it. My connection with my kids, I get no joy out of it. And you were just like, Where, why is none of it there? Why is it such a void? You met Jesus, and Jesus changed your life. Some of us, you know exactly what we're talking about in this passage. Jesus comes to connect with people that are far from God. And that's why at Wendover Hills, it's important to us to keep connecting with people that are far from God. But don't miss one of the most important elements of the story. Let me read it again. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. I'm here, not only did Levi get up and follow Jesus, but he holds his banquet. And who does he invite? Guess who he invites? All the new Christian friends that he made. No, he doesn't invite them at all. He invites the tax collectors. He invites the people who the Pharisees call as the sinners. That's who he invites to this banquet. What Levi is really saying, he's saying, I am so pumped about what is happening in my life and what Jesus and God is doing in my life that I want you to know about it as well. And he shares with them. And remember, the, the, the banquet was held for Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the guest of honor here. He didn't just invite Jesus, say, hey, mingle around here. I mean, he told his tax collector friends, look, I'm having a banquet. Jesus is the main guest. Why don't you come and be a part of it? That's pretty bold for him to step out and do that. Why? Because he is pretty excited about his faith. He's excited. And guess what? We can do that as well. We can do the exact same thing. In fact, Jesus has decided that, and God has decided that his marketing plan is this passage. That's his marketing plan for sharing who he is and what he has to offer to people. And so our coworkers, our neighbors, our family members, we need to invite them along to hear about Jesus because we need to reach our neighbor. Remember the hide it under a bushel no that you used to sing when you left? I could never remember, was it hide it under a bushel no or hide it under a bush oh no? I don't know. I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. So this is why we have encouraged you over and over. And probably when we go into it, some of you may roll your eyes and go, okay, again, why we've said, invite your friends, invite your family, your coworkers to church, invite them into a spiritual conversation with you, invite them because we're called to reach our neighbor. And guess what? God is going to use you to do it. In fact, usually the pastor, there's nothing spectacular the pastor does to have somebody come into faith. They come into faith because of you, because of relationships, because of me when I'm not preaching and I'm just relating to others, just like the Bible's call all of us to do. That's when people are reached and people are cared for. Did you know that you have the most influence of, of people, of people that you see at least once a week? That's where you have the most influence on people. If you see them about once a week, right away in your head, you started to list people. It was automatic that you see once a week. Those are the people that are right there that you can go out and you can reach and you can impact for the gospel. So how do we reach, uh, how do we do that? Excuse me. We've said, how do we do this? We reach our world, we reach our nation, and we don't miss any opportunity to reach the people around us. That's what we're called to do as a church. It's what we're called to do as individual Christians. It's not designed like for this section to do, but this section doesn't really have to do that. We're all called to be a part of that 
into sharing the hope that Jesus came to share. Celebration of Hope has been about that, about sharing hope. And though we want to share hope by providing clean drinking water, we want to share hope by getting somebody who's been oppressed in human trafficking out of that situation. We want to provide hope like one of our small groups did yesterday when they went and and made hot dogs at a park and and shared hot dogs and, and that type of stuff. We want to do all that. But let us never forget that our purpose and our goal is the same of that of Jesus Christ, that we came to seek and save the lost. He'll do the saving. We keep doing the seeking and the sharing. That's what we're here to do as a, as a body. So this week, let's go out and, and we'll make it happen. We can do this. In just a few minutes, uh, um, we're going to take our Celebration of Hope offering as our ushers come through. If you're giving this morning to the Celebration of Hope offering, I want to encourage you uh, to write on there COH or Celebration of Hope. If you're using cash this morning, if you would, use an envelope that's right in front of you and mark Celebration of Hope. That way we know how to distinguish uh, between tithes and offering and between the Celebration of Hope offering. Again, we want 100% of the Celebration of Hope to go straight to the things that we've talked about over the course of this, of this period, this last four weeks. And so you can start preparing that as they come in just a few minutes. But first, I want to pray for you, and then I'll give you some direction on the offering in just a moment. Father, we're called to bring hope. And Lord, I know there's some of us out there that it's the hope that we need to experience. Lord, I know for some out there, Lord, they have not surrendered their life before you and received the hope. And they just go along hoping that they can make it on their own, hoping that, that they'll just be able to get by with whatever they know and they think. Father, you've, you've brought so much more to our life. You've offered so much more to us. And so this morning, Lord, I just ask that if there be anyone that they could surrender their life before you this morning, they could just say, Lord... Forgive me. Forgive me of going my own way, of my sin. Wipe it away. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I want to live for you and experience your hope. Lord, uh, for those that this morning that we have talked about over this period, we want to pray for people throughout the world. We want to pray for, for nations that are living in tough times, civil war times, the places where it's been hard for missionaries to even get in and spread your word. Lord, would you open the door that the gospel can be shared. And Lord, I want to pray for, for people in our country. Lord, specifically as we, as we in North Carolina go on Tuesday, Lord, may we bow before you. And Lord, if we're in a situation where we're like, I don't know, what do I vote on this amendment? Who do I vote for? Lord, would we just drop to our knees, surrender entirely to you and allow you. Lord, it's tough sometimes when even the candidates sometimes have forgotten our purpose and call on earth here. But Lord, give us your wisdom and insight. Be with our nation, Lord. May we as Christians, as a body of believer, not give up. Would we not allow moral decay to just continue, but would we be a part of transforming this nation through sharing the power of Jesus Christ? And then, Lord, may we think, could we see even the face right now in our head of the one that we work with or the family member that we know is far from God? And Lord, you want to use us Lord, we pray for the door. We don't want to shove open the door, Lord, but we pray for a crack that we can just, we can enter in any way and we can share. Lord, we pray for the salvation of those we know. And Lord, we just ask, Father, that uh, you would use us to see somebody come to know you 
and there'll be a great celebration in heaven as we talked about in Luke chapter 15 earlier in our series. And Lord, now for our offering, I just pray a, a prayer of a blessing on it in advance, Lord. You'd bless every dollar and you would multiply it like the loaves and fish when there was only a small basket full, Lord, and in the end, thousands were fed. Lord, we pray this morning that you would multiply what we have to offer and that it can be used for your great glory, Lord. We give it to you in your son's name. Amen. We're going to take an offering. We're going to kind of do it two ways. The first offering that comes to you is going to be our celebration of hope offering. And our praise team is going to lead us through part of the last song that we sang where we talked about our hope being in Jesus. And so as you see, sing that, you can stay seated. But would you give of the offering as it comes through? When they're done, I want to come up and give a little bit of instruction for the potluck, and then we'll receive our regular tithes and offering as we go out singing a song that that was uh, impactful for us last year during Celebration of Hope called I Refuse. And we'll invite you to stand during that as we receive the the other offering. Make sense? So our Celebration of Hope offering, uh, as the praise team sings this, I'll come up and give some instructions, and we'll go on.